Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning again. (laughs) Good morning! (laughs) Love you guys. I think I think I really should be saying though, Happy New Year, because if I'm not mistaken, today is Ukrainian New Year, and so um, I just want to say right off the hop here, in the event, the wild and crazy event, that it might garner me somehow some pierogies and or cabbage rolls. <laughs> today I am Ukrainian. <laughs> All right? Just, just thought I'd say so. Um, hey, I trust, though, um, this is my first time talking to you since New... Well, since the other New Year. Um, and so I want to say Happy New Year to you all. And uh, I hope that you had a really good Christmas. Had a good time with family and friends and, and just a time to, to relax and to focus on the goodness of God uh, through the birth of his son and and so on and so forth. Um, My prayer for each of you this year is that 2019 will find each of us all together growing in our relationship with God, that we would understand him more, that we would be committed to him more, and that he would use us more as a testimony to the goodness of his son and that he would grow us, both personally and as a church. And so I'm praying to that end for us all. Last week, uh, to start this new year, we started a new series called Timeless. And we thought that it would be a good way to start the new year. The new year always provides us with a juncture at which we can sort of naturally assess where we're at, where we can take a look at our priorities and our perspective and evaluate if they're still right, if, if we've deviated, if we've somehow been detoured off of those priorities, and if so, then to regroup and refocus. And so we started this series called Timeless. And if you didn't catch it last week here personally, if you haven't had a chance to catch up online, we're contending that in a trendy world, the best things in life are timeless. That, in other words, in this world where we are so easily fixated on what is trendy and what's new, what is the latest and the greatest, that oftentimes that we just get caught up in this and that it ends up derailing us away from and off of the things that are significant, what's most important in our lives, and that just distracts us and lures us away from what we should be pursuing. Last week, Ryan talked about the fact that when we take our eyes off of heaven, 
our lives are marginalized. That the value of our time is diminished as we take our eyes off of heaven and are distracted by other things and begin to pursue things that are of less consequence, of less significance. And what's more, that the potential that exists within the events of our lives and the circumstances of our lives are diminished as we begin to act out of a poor perspective. That we don't see the significance of those events and that we don't view them in light of eternity and therefore then approaching them the wrong way, we don't mine them or maximize them for all of the potential, all of that they're worth. But then when we do keep heaven as our focus, that that brings us back towards focusing on what is most important and what is best in life, and that 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 helps us then derive the most value and the most potential out of our lives. This morning, we're going to be talking about giving. And I can see the wheels going round and round already. Well, dude, Doug, not 15 minutes ago, you got up here and said that things went really well last year, that we brought it home, we got across the finish line. Revenue came in ahead of the expenses. So, so what's up with giving? Like, Why do we have to flog that horse again? And, you know, I hear that. But what, what I want to say, you know, actually I want to say a couple things. Let me say first of all, that we did great. It's awesome. Our revenue should have exceeded our expenses. But it didn't come in at budget. And our budget isn't even yet really what a conservative estimate of what a tithe would be for a church our size. And what's more, when I compare us, FBC, with other churches, growing churches, if you will, we're kind of a low average in terms of our per capita giving. So I'm I'm just going to throw that out there. And that's not at all to diminish our giving last year. I still say, way to go. But I just want us to understand that, you know, we haven't taken the first prize yet. There is territory for us to, to, to go yet, ways for us to grow. And that's awesome because I want us to grow. But, but, but even more importantly than that, those things that I've just been talking about are just outcomes. They're just outcomes. They're tangibles. They're significant things. They're things that we can measure and we should. They're important. But they don't get to the heart of what giving is all about. And if we we ever, please don't ever walk away thinking this is all about dollars and cents. When we talk about giving, that it's all about dollars and cents. It's about what we bring in in revenue, things like that. That is just so not the case. Not with God for sure. Definitely shouldn't be with us as a church. Giving is about something far more than the dollars and cents. That's just the way that it plays out. You know, there was a time 
that I used to feel awkward about talking about cash at church. And I guess, frankly, I still do to some extent. But I've got to the point where it is way more important for me to talk about this than not to. And that's because of this. Because I have found God as I have engaged with Him in my finances. He is showing up time and time again. Demonstrating Himself to be real. Demonstrating Himself in tangible ways for me to be able to assess that He is there. That He's legitimate. That He is valid. That He cares about me. That He will provide for me. That He wants a relationship with me. And so as I've engaged with Him in that, I've found Him to be true. And at the end of the day, as awkward as it is, to do this. I want the same thing for you. I want you to know God. You know, so oftentimes, I've said it before, we talk about our faith not being real. And then we walk around purporting to know God and, and, and trying to know God, but still somehow failing to know Him. To have that confidence and that assurance. Oftentimes because we don't engage with him in any real way. Where it's all one dimensional. Where I try and do things that make me feel like I've engaged with him. But where I haven't actually got in. And in such a way where he has to show up where I can see him do things, where I can watch him work and move, and where I can know him to be true. And so at the end of the day, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I want today. That's why I'm now happy to talk about finances, if it will help you to get to that place as it has helped me to get to that place. That said, the reason why this is still awkward is because that I am still fully aware that the general conception out there with people today is that churches are here to suck money out of everyone's wallet. That that's their bottom line. That that's what they're all about. And so again, I want to say to you, That if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you have not come to the place in your life where you understand and know Him to be true, to be real, then please don't give. Please don't. Your relationship with God is way more important to me You finding that relationship with God is way more important to me than any cash that you could ever give the church. God doesn't need your cash. What he wants is your heart. What he wants is to know you personally first. And then we go from there. So this morning, 
If you're here and you're still searching, you're just checking out this whole church thing. You're wondering if Jesus Christ is real, that if, whether or not he might be relevant to your world. That's awesome. We're excited to have you here. Please don't feel obligated to give. Sit back. He will demonstrate himself to you. He will prove himself in other ways. And once he has, then you can dive in and engage with him in this respect. So before we dive in any further, before we go into this whole thing, would you just stop and pray with me one more time and ask God to be with us? Father, again this morning, Lord, as we come to this subject matter, I pray for your presence and your work amongst us, that you would work in our hearts and minds. Father, for those that don't know you yet, that are skeptical, that are wondering about this whole church business and all the financial stuff and and suspicious about whether or not that we're here to suck money out of their pockets, God, I pray that you would protect their hearts. Speak to them today. Help them to understand that that's not about that. Preserve that. Preserve your opportunity to reveal yourself to them so that they might know you personally first. Lord, for those of us that do know you, Lord, those of us that do know you but haven't engaged with you financially, those of us that have engaged with you a little bit financially, those of us those of us that are engaging with you wholeheartedly financially, I pray that you would take us and that you would move us further towards you. That again, that you would help us to have the confidence to step out. That we would dive in all the more. That we would know you better, more fully, more completely. Be that much more confident in you. So that you could take us and that we would become even yet a better testimony to the world around us. All for your son's sake, and in his name I pray. Amen. Okay. So, I, I just don't understand the waterworks. I thought maybe 2019 might be the year, but no, apparently not. Okay. I want to start out this morning. Like so many things in life, but especially about God and his directives, We are often hooped before we even get started by virtue of the perspective that we operate from. Okay, I want to say that again. Like so many things in life, but especially about God and his directives, we are often hooped before we even get started by virtue of the perspective that we operate from. Which is to say that I think we often dismiss God right off the hop because we have a notion of him being, as being opposed somehow to me. And that, what I and that what I understand is my best interests are contrary somehow to him. And therefore that he is against me. That he is operating against my best interests. And as a result of that, I think that we don't allow ourselves to take an objective look either for him or at him. But because we have this idea that somehow he is against us, that we then don't go objectively looking for God to see if he's there, 
or we don't take an objective look at him for who he is and for what he's all about. So, for example, because of our preconceptions, we don't often, or we won't often, allow ourselves to be challenged on the foundational level of our premises, our perspectives. And as a result of that, we can't change. We don't change because we don't allow ourselves to be changed at that foundational level of our perspective. To make it a little bit more specific, oftentimes people have an idea of God is sending people to hell. And therefore, they don't want it any part of a God that's going to send people to hell. And because they have that idea, then they don't take a step towards God to understand Him any differently. They don't begin to, to recognize Him or see Him as instead of someone sending people to hell, as the guy on the side of the highway where everyone are driving off into hell with a sign saying, take the exit. I've built an exit. Take the exit. When we, when we allow ourselves to see that as the different perspective for God, well, then now it becomes easier for us to start to engage with him. He's not the guy sending people to hell. He's the guy that's actually here trying to keep us from getting to hell. And that makes all the difference. Sometimes we have this idea of a God that somehow doesn't care about the fact that there are people starving and in poverty in our world. And we say to ourselves, I don't want anything to do with a God that would allow that. I don't want anything to do with a God that doesn't care. And that keeps us from investigating him and finding out that actually he doesn't want a world of poverty. He doesn't want a world starving. And that he actually has a plan to partner with us to actually solve that problem. And when we find that God, when we find that perspective, all of a sudden, then maybe it makes a lot more sense for us to lean in and engage with him. Because it's not that he's not caring. It's actually, in fact, that he has a plan and that he doesn't like it either and he wants to alleviate it. And I think this is so often the case also in terms of this area of giving. We have a problem with our perspective. Our perspective is, in short, that if it is less for me, it is worse for me. That anything that is going to result in there being less for me is automatically then worse for me. And as a result of that perspective, we miss out on God. We don't allow ourselves to engage with Him. We don't allow Him to change our perspective, to see a different perspective, which would then lead us to participate and for us then to discover Him in a whole new way. So this morning, I want to look at a portion of Scripture that I think helps us to understand God's real perspective on giving. 
and thereby merits us reevaluating our perspective on giving. So if you would, if you'd turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. There it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, this morning, is, as we come to that passage, what we find here is at the very beginning, in the first two verses, two different approaches, two different perspectives. And then in the following verses, what we discover is the ramifications that go with the different perspectives. So we're presented with an option at the beginning. And then... Christ lays out for us what happens based on the option that we choose. The significance of the option. The ramifications that go with the respective options. And we don't have a chance to go into that this morning. All of it this morning. As a matter of fact, this morning, I'm going to confine myself to the first two verses. And someday maybe we'll get a chance to delve more fully into the the whole passage. I I submit the whole passage for you to go home and contemplate because it is well worth your time and energy. But this morning, we'll look at the first two verses. And the first thing that I want to point out here is that it is not a question of if we should store up treasure. From God's perspective, it is not a question of if we should store up treasure. And how often is it that we think that treasure is a bad thing? From Christian circles, in Christian circles, oh, that filthy lucre. We don't want to go anywhere near that. And that then clouds our whole perspective on everything. This morning, I want us to see things a little bit differently. Verses 19 and 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves. There's the imperative. God comes along and says, store up for yourselves treasures. So this morning, we need to understand that it's not a question of if we should do that. In fact, it is a question very definitely, not a question, it's an imperative from God. It's a directive from Him. Store up for yourselves treasures. That's where he's at in this whole thing. You don't. I feel for non-Christians. And you say, Doug, why do you feel for non-Christians? And I'm happy that you asked. 
Here's why. Because when it comes to us Christians, so often it seems to me that half of us are running around arguing with God and not doing what he's asking us to do. We see his directives, and then what we want to do is we want to run around and argue about why we shouldn't do those. Because we're not convinced that they're a good idea. So it would seem that half of us are doing that. On the other hand, it would seem that the other half of us are running around doing it for all the wrong reasons. Though we see God's directives, and then we begrudgingly go about it. And or we try and leverage it for our own success as we define it. That we try and make it successful somehow in terms that I can understand and that I think are reasonable, that would somehow merit me doing actually what he says. Half of us are running around in such a way as to make God out to be a liar. And the other half of us are running around trying to do something, to accomplish something on a level beyond or different than what he's asking us for. And I appreciate the fact this morning that that's pretty, pretty negative. There's, there's, there's obviously some people that are doing this really well as well. But for the poor non-Christian out there looking at us, they're shaking their heads going, what's up with this? They see what God says and they don't want to do it. And then they run around and do it and it just makes me want to gag. Because how that plays out is half of us are saying, well, God says to do this stuff. I don't think that that's a good idea, so this is what I want to do instead. So again, we, we underline, undermine God. The other half of us are saying, okay, well, God says to give. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it in such a way as that everybody's going to notice me. You know? and, so, and, and therefore, I'm going to derive some, some sort of value out of this thing because I don't get the other stuff. Like, I mean, that just seems like a waste of time. So I'm going to do it in such a way as that I get some sort of a reward out of it. Or I'm going to do it so as to make myself look pious and scriptural and spiritual. And things like that. And it's no wonder non-Christians don't want to engage with us. Like they look at us and say, who, like, who would want to hang out with that guy? This morning, we need to understand that God is for us. God is for us. He is always working in our best interest. Here's what we find God saying, don't, not don't store up treasure. Definitely store up treasure. And what's more, we find as we read our Bibles that he wants to help us do it. Matthew 6, verses 1 and then 3 and 4 say this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. He says, if you want to produce your own rewards for this, then go ahead. Do your thing. Knock yourself out. But I'm not going to reward you with anything that's of any real value, anything of any lasting value, You'll get that temporary little perk for a while till everybody gets tired of you. But verse 3, But when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God comes along and says, When you participate, when you dive into this, I got your back. I'm going I'm to reward you. I want you to do this. And when you do, I'm going to reward you. I'm in on this. 
I'm looking for what's out for I'm looking out for what's best for you. So we need to understand this morning that it's not about if we should be storing up treasure. The question is actually about where we should store up our treasure. So the question is of where we should store up our treasure. And the fact is there, verse 20, that we're to store it up our treasures in heaven, not on earth. And therein lies all the difference between prosperity gospel and God. Prosperity gospel is telling you to go out and store up your treasures here on earth. God's saying, nope, bad idea. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I'm in on that. I will help you. Don't make a stupid short-term investment that's not going to pay off. Make a long-term investment that's going to pay off for eternity. Far different. That's the question, though. Not if, but where? In heaven. Heaven versus earth. Heaven where it cannot be lost versus earth where everything will be lost. You know the old adage, there's no U-Hauls behind hearses. I have it on family authority. There are no U-Hauls behind hearses. There's a lot of strange things that happen at some funerals. But there are no U-Hauls behind hearses. We can't take it with us. All of it is eventually lost. And that's if the moth and the vermin and everything doesn't corrupt it even before we get to the point where we're cashing in, checking out. God comes along and says, heaven is just good strategy. Don't invest here on the temporary. Invest for the long term there. Randy Alcorn makes an interesting point. We can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. How good is that? We can busy ourselves day in and day out trying to accomplish something and store up something here that we're not going to be able to benefit from for very long, 20, 30, 40, 50 years maybe, maybe. Whereas we can store up for ourselves in heaven for eternity where it doesn't disappear. God comes along and I'm not only for you, I want to give you good advice and this is the best advice. And we can trust God with that. Because I can, again, if I were you and you were me, I would be thinking this. I would be thinking, yeah, but sure, Doug, how do I know that there's going to be treasure for me in heaven? Because like Ryan said last week, I haven't been there. I would point you to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. This is Paul talking to Timothy. And he's actually he's talking about the gospel here. So I recognize this is a different context, but I believe it applies. Let me read it for you first. Paul says to Timothy, that is why I am suffering as I am on account of the gospel, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, where he's been pointing people to the fact that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And he's suffering for it because people don't like that message. And they've been persecuting Paul. Paul comes along. That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet... This is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed 
And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul comes along and says to Timothy, dude, I'm suffering for the sake of the gospel right now, but I'm okay with that because I know who who I have believed. I believe in God Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ. And one day, one day, that is going to pay off for me as God calls me home to heaven for eternity with him and that complete relationship with him. Now, in the very same way, if we can trust God for our eternity together with him, then I think we can trust him for the treasure that we're piling up in heaven, that he is good for it, so that as we do what he tells us to do, that he will accumulate it for us there in heaven, and that one day he will reward us on account of everything that we have done, which then begs this question, how do I store up treasure? More specifically, how do I store up treasure in heaven? Now, there's a lot of ways that we can do that. But as it pertains to the topic today, A, we store up treasures in heaven by giving of our resources to the needy in order to love others and to further God's work. Three things. Paul speaks to this again in Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. And this is Paul again talking to Timothy, but he's talking to them about those that have wealth, those that have means. He says, this is what you need to teach them. This morning we need to understand that we would fit in the category of those that have means. So Paul's speaking into our lives every bit as much as he's speaking into their lives. He's saying... Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's how we build up treasure in heaven. Paul says, command them to do good. Be rich in good deeds. Be generous and willing to share. In this way, we lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. Treasure that set us up for eternity to come. Now, I know this morning, some of you are sitting here and saying, okay, Doug, Doug, you're talking a good talk. I like it. I like it. It's all good. Well, maybe you're not saying I like it. Whatever. I don't know what you're saying. You're saying, I hear you. But here's my problem. I'm tapped. I've got no wiggle room left. I, I'm stretched to the end. How do, I, how do I begin to do this? B, test God. Test God. Malachi 3 verse 10. Bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. This is God talking to us now. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Says the Lord Almighty. Not the Lord insignificant. Not the Lord inept. Not the Lord inconsequential. But the Lord Almighty. The Lord with capacity. 
the Lord with power, the Lord with ability. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. We're stretched to capacity. I get it. And God gets it. And yet, he says to us, test me in this. And so I would say to you, test him in this. This is the only place, I've said it before, you've heard it before, the only place in life or in Scripture that God says, comes along and says, test me. Test me. The God of the universe. Can you imagine, can you imagine a king saying to his, his subjects, test me in this? If anybody tested the king... They died, historically speaking. But God of the universe comes along and he says, test me in this. I'm throwing it down. I'll condescend to your level. I'll come down and I'll meet you, mano a mano, at this level. Test me in this. Test him in that. God tells us to test him in this, I think, for two reasons. Number one, I think that because he knows, first of all, that this is going to be an area that's going to be tough for us. Because we hang on to our stuff so tightly. I think he thinks, he knows, that because we have that problem, that he'll, he'll show up on this level. He tells us, test him in this. But more importantly, more significantly, I think God tells us to test him in this because he wants to demonstrate himself to us in a very real way. Because he wants to show up in your life in such a way as you go away knowing that there is a God. That there's no doubt in your mind that he is here that he's invested, that he's got capacity and power, that he does what he says he does, that he will do what he says he will do, and that we can trust him, not just with our cash, but with our lives. Not just now, but for eternity. Because God says to test him in this, this is something that we want to help everyone do as a church. And so we introduced a while back a thing called the 90-day tithe challenge. It's not our idea. We're not that smart. We stole it from another church. Don't tell them. 90-day tithe challenge. And what it does is this. It gives you the ability to test God and we will back up God. We're putting your money where... His mouth is. I don't know if that makes sense or not. It sounded good for me to me for a minute. Here's the thing. God says, test him. So we will help you test him by giving you a money-back guarantee. That when you register, when you sort of identify yourself to do this, that as you give, if you decide 
that God hasn't shown up in your life, if he's failed the test somehow, that we will give you back your cash. It's all so that you can get to know him. And I can't get into the details today because we're already late. So what you need to do is this. You need to take that email. If you want to participate, if you'd be so bold as to participate at whatever level, email finance at fbcloyd.ca. That email goes to Ron Myers, who's our bookkeeper. It will be between you and him. He will get back to you with the details. There's, there are some details, some parameters. We want to do this with integrity. We want to do it in such a way as that there's no doubt about what's happened, that you get every red cent back that you give us if you decide at some point that God's failed the test. I don't think we've ever had that happen. But nevertheless, we want to make sure that it can happen if, if you decide. So you email Ron at that address, and then he will give you how to do that so that, you know, that we can track it, that you give by check or something like that, so that there's no doubt. You can't just put cash in the offering plate later and come back and say, yeah, I gave $1.6 this year and I didn't get a receipt. Okay, so do that. Second thing that we want to do really quickly is this. Starting a week from Tuesday, Richard Young is going to be giving a course on the total money makeover. It's based on Dave Ramsey, and it is just really good financial advice for everybody and anybody. Come out. If you're in school and you want to get some good tracks down to follow for the rest of your life financially, come out and Rich will set you up, give you some really good advice. If, you've got, if you're get, just getting married, if you've been married for 27 years and you're struggling in this area, come out, get some really good advice. We've all been there. We can all do better. The course starts next Tuesday, not in two days, but a week from Tuesday. It'll be at 7 o'clock here at the church. It'll run for about an hour and a half, goes for six weeks. Costs 50 bucks, either per person or per couple, however you want to do that. And I just recommend it. You need to register, if you would, by calling the church office before this Tuesday, if at all possible, because we want to make sure that we've got enough resources for everybody. So if you would think about that and you decide to do it, I'd love you to do it, then register and then plan to come on out. I said at the beginning that I'm praying for us this year to be growing closer to God, each of us. And then together for us as a church. I'm praying that this will be a way that you do engage with God this year, this year. That it will be a way that he will reveal himself to you. That it will be a way that you grow in your faith. That God demonstrates himself to us. To, and that then, that we have that much more confidence, that much more boldness to go into our world and share him with the world in need. Let me pray. Father, again today, Lord, please, now, for what all this has been worth, I pray that you would bless it, that you would go with each one, that you would draw them in, that you would reveal yourself to them, either for the first time, that they would just be that much more engaged to come, to, to, to participate, to, to investigate you, or for those of us that know you, that we would investigate you in a whole new way on a, in, in terms of our finances. Build us and grow us, God. 
individually and as a testimony to you in the world around us. For I ask this all now in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Hey, it's Donut Sunday. Knock yourselves out. We'll see you next week as Ryan wraps up Timeless.